0: just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green-white and ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about MSU's upcoming visit to the Orange House of Horrors at Champaign-Urbana. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that if you want to support the show, head on over to tffinots.com support to find the necessary links. Also, we've had trouble with Spotify properly cataloging and loading the podcast. We are aware and working to address this problem. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this, it has either been fixed or you've moved right. to a different platform, which all seem to be working fine. So, uh, however, it appears that maybe Spotify had created multiple TFFinot shows. Uh, it's not clear. Uh, so the current one might not actually have any reviews. So please, please, please take a moment to review the show on Spotify to boost those numbers and help the algorithms. All right, so that's out of the way. Uh, Rod, Michigan State travels to Champaign to try and avoid a 1-4 start to the Big Ten schedule, which, quite frankly, would make having any significant chance of winning the Big Ten pretty much out of reach for this team. A March run is obviously a different beast. Uh, they go into face Illinois is 11-3 on the season, 2-1 and one in the Big Ten. Uh, they're dealing with the recent loss of leading scorer Terrence Shannon, to suspension stemming from a rape charge coming out of an incident in Lawrence, Kansas, at a bar in the fall of 2023. Uh, they're actually two and one since the suspension, which includes a road loss at Purdue, uh, which, you know, no uh, no shame in losing at Purdue in their most recent game. So Illinois is seventh in Ken Palm overall, sixth on offense, 18th on defense. On offense, they're fueled by really great two point shooting. They're 17th, and offensive rebounding, 15th. Three point shooting has been. A little better than expected. They're shooting about 35%. But a lot of that was due to Terrence Shannon. Um, So we'll see how that changes throughout the rest of the season. Turnover percentage has been a problem. They ranked 153rd in turnovers. They don't get to line a lot as we would expect. They're only 200th in free throw attempts to field goal attempts. And since Shannon's left, they're running a lot through the new transfer wing from Southern Illinois, Marcus Demansk, and um, a lot more post-up sort of stuff. Uh, defensively, they're a big, big, big team. (laughs) And they're, uh, the 10th tallest team in the country. They're number two in the country against twos. And that's without even shot blocking, because they're only 154th in shot blocking. So obviously just positional defense and consisting contesting shots consistently. They don't foul a whole lot and they do pretty well defensive rebounding at 77th. They're not very good against threes. So you can do some stuff there, but people don't tend to shoot a lot of threes against them. Uh, interestingly they rarely force turnovers they're 200 no sorry 340th nationally in turnover percentage and uh tempo wise opponents play them pretty fast uh number 1 number 40 in opponent possession length but in offense they're very slow they're deliberate at 164th so um yeah that's with that was with Shannon and i probably they're going to get a little slower without him yeah I, I think so so there's there's a lot to talk about
1: here there's Illinois before the Terrence Shannon suspension and there's Illinois after. And and you really do need to frame it that way because he was so important to what they do or did. He was playing at, you know, it's hard to say this with Zach Eady in the conference, but he was playing at a Big Ten Player of the Year kind of level. Some of the inconsistencies that were there last season when he, at Illinois, His jump shot, for example, Mm -hmm. those were gone. He was plus 40% from three. And we all saw last year how effective he is going off the dribble, right? right? So if you're adding consistency with the jumper to that, and he's, at times, I I watch them a bit in the non-conference, he is the epitome of a one-man fast break. If Terrence Shannon gets the rebound, which he's also a very good rebounder, um, he can take it the length of the floor. And I don't just mean while well, he gets there. I mean he puts pressure on the defense by himself. So <laughs> they he was at the center of everything they did for good reason. And he's gone now. And and look, you can never tell for sure where these kinds of things go. We we could all wake up tomorrow and see that, oh, charges have been dropped by the prosecutor and he's uh he's been reinstated. It's possible. I think that's my guess would be that's unlikely. I think it's very difficult when you're in the situation that they're in, even if they believe, as I've I've seen suggested, that these charges are bogus the fact is when a prosecutor makes them when there's actually an ongoing case that's been filed and is underway it's virtually impossible in the current environment for a school to do anything but suspend a player right and, yeah. and if it ends up that he is found not guilty here um it would forget you know and 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 something we can never know is whether he actually is uh, innocent of what's been alleged. Um, It would be an awful thing, obviously for him to have missed the bulk of this season, but that's the situation they're in. Mm -hmm. And so regardless whether the, if the, if the charges are accurate as to what happened, well then, you know, nobody's crying about that. If they're not, it would be it would be an awful thing for him to have gone through. But I, I can't see a world where anything is going to change short of the prosecutor deciding to withdraw the charges um that would that would put him in a spot where Illinois would, would feel like they could lift the suspension. I could be wrong about that. I'll I'll offer that caveat, but that would be my read, having paid attention. To how all of this stuff works, and then you know the resolution of the case itself. If that's what they're waiting on, then the season's done. Oh, yeah, because it's for not. Sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing's going to get resolved in that kind of time frame. Now, it's important to note that, as I understand it, what's going on here is there's a school, and I forget exactly what they call it. They, they've got a they've got a descriptor for it, but there's a school like code of conduct type thing. That's been invoked as the reason for the suspension. And of course, it stems from the fact that he's facing charges. Um, How that would play into this, I guess, is a little bit of a wild card. You know, it's not. Let's put it this way. It's not the prosecutor in Lawrence, Kansas, that's saying
0: he can't play.
1: It's the University of
0: Illinois. Right, It's yeah. like a Title IX thing or something like that. Yes,
1: but, very, very yeah. much so. It's it's a law in those, generally speaking, that's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. So that could be a factor, but I, I just think the fact that they've done it already, look at how these, these situations are handled most places, and it, it's just kind of hard to envision him playing again this year. That's my two cents. So because of that, Illinois is a very different team. They were already a team that didn't have actual guards. What they've got, (laughs) I I guess, Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn, their freshman, who's not playing a lot, uh, might be a real guard. Other than that, they don't have them. They got a collection of wings and post players. That's what they have. And... That was one thing when you had Shannon, because he's so dynamic. He's a pretty good passer himself, even though he's not any kind of point guard. And so that was okay. It was kind of working. Now it's an entirely different deal because you've lost that incredibly dynamic player. So what they seem to be doing is, (laughs) if you go back to last year and you think about Penn State and the way Penn State played with Jalen Pickett, Right, Mm -hmm. And remember that Jalen Pickett frequently was posting people up. He'd be in the lane. He'd be on the blocks, even though he was a guard. And Penn State would run their offense through him. Brad Underwood got very frustrated by that. He referred to it derisively (laughs) after they took a loss against Penn State as booty ball. Well, guess what? (laughs) He's doing that. Admittedly, he's doing that this year now with Channing out, and he's doing it through Damask. Now, there are differences, which we'll talk about. Namely, Penn State had a team of great shooters that they could put around Pickett. Illinois does not have that same thing. And so I don't think it's as easy for that to... I don't think it'll work the same way. But, you know, so far... So, okay. They're two and one without him. They played reasonably well. I I maintain the Purdue thing was a little bit of a a mirage because that score looks relatively close, but Purdue kind of turned around at the end of that game and let Illinois get back in it, make it look more respectable than it actually was most of the way. I think Purdue had like a 19 point lead at one stage in the second half, I think. And um, and Illinois got back into it, and because uh, Purdue got sloppy, and you know, but it wasn't really that close. Um, so we we don't really know yet what Illinois truly is with this team that they're going to put on the floor on Thursday night. Um, so I that that's my starting point for this discussion. Uh, they are big, and they are big. It's similar to what they were last year. They're big not in the sense that, well, they're trotting out Zach Eady, and then they got another 6'10 guy. They're not that kind of big. They're the kind of big that every position you look at, they've got size. If you look at those three perimeter guys, (laughs) 6'7", 6'5", 6'6". That's big. (laughs) Uh, Guerriere is is 6'7", so he's not huge at the 4, but, you know, big enough. And then, you know, Colin Hawkins is 6'10", 6'11", at the center. So they are big. And that has an impact. It has an impact on offense because not only are those guys big, they're aggressive. This is an elite offensive rebounding team. If that concerns you as a Michigan State fan, it should. (laughs) Because they do that really, (laughs) really well. So this is going to be akin to that Baylor game where Michigan State is facing a hard, cold truth: If they don't do a massively better job on the defensive boards, they will get run right out of the gym. Because that's that's surely one way that you can let Illinois be. I mean, I've, I've got to admit, Illinois' offensive profile, if you had told me before the season that we'd be talking about a top 10 offense, I never would have believed it. But you can see how they're doing it. They're extremely good inside the arc. Again, their size is helping them. They're an extremely good offensive rebounding team, so they get second shots. And they've at least been, you know, decent from three, which they were not last year. Now, I maintain Terrence Shannon has had a ton to do with where they're currently sitting and what they will be the longer they go without him from three may well be a very different story I think it will be but you know for right now at least they're sitting in a decent position although I will point out believe this or not I looked at the numbers today yes where Michigan State ranks nationally in three-point shooting
0: oh well they're terrible like 185. no 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 Michigan State <laughs> no I'm I'm joking yeah yeah <laughs> right right okay being Se-
1: they're up to 77th yeah. They're, they're that's respecting they're closing in on 36 percent as a team so they're a better shooting team than Illinois's been they're gonna have an edge there coming into this game uh but anyway going back just that's an aside uh going back to uh <laughs> to Illinois so all of that positive stuff has overridden the fact that they do have turnover problems and they and weirdly to me they don't get fouled very much. They're only like two hundredth in free throw attempts uh versus yeah, field goal right. attempts. It's it's weird. I would have expected they'd have been higher with the kind of team they have in that category, but they're not. So it's a it's a weird it's a to me, it's a little bit of a weird equation for them offensively, and I'm not sure it's one that I believe is sustainable at this level over the long run without Shannon. Um uh, defensively. That size plays as well. They're really good against twos, and that's without a shot blocker. They really don't have, I think they've got one guy averaging, and it was Terrence Shannon, who's no longer playing, who's averaging (laughs) as much as one shot block per game. They don't have great rim protection, but they're very good positionally. And Brad Underwood's teams, once he junked his stupid press stuff, have been pretty good defensively. And mm-hmm. this is another good one. They play very good positional defense, and I think all that size really impacts the quality of look teams are getting inside the arc. They're, a, they're more vulnerable than that against threes, but they're not giving up a ton of attempts. So, again, I think the size is playing there. You've got good defenders who have some length to them. They can They can shrink those shot windows, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that's what they've been doing. Uh, the, the most glaring thing out of all of it that jumped out at me, though, and you mentioned this, is 340th, so almost rock bottom in turnovers uh, turnover percentage by opponents. Created, yeah, right. <laughs> you think back to whatever it was six, seven years ago when Underwood started there, and, and that is a complete and total reversal. And by the way... And I, I know I bag on Brad Underwood a lot, and I think with good reason, but man, I will always give that guy credit for being smart enough and and um flexible enough in his thinking to realize after year one, oh, I can't do this in this league. <laughs> yeah. This is not gonna work. And he went the and now you see he's gone completely the other side of of the spectrum he could not be further away from that approach and what's happened illinois played much better (laughs) so (laughs) again i go after him for a lot of dumb shit he says but and i think rightly so and questionable roster moves like not having any guards but um but i give him credit for that that's a hard thing to do and a lot of guys don't do that. They they would go down with the ship. He has not done that. So credit to him on that front. Um, but yeah, it's look on paper, right now it's a very good profile. I don't yeah. know that I'd buy into that being what they are with this team though. That's how much of a difference Terrence Shannon makes. And you could say, well, they're two and one and they've looked pretty decent since he went out. Yeah, but, but that's also a short-term thing. You, you have to evaluate the impact of those kind of losses over a longer timeline because they tend to show up. And I, I personally think, this is just my guess, I could be wrong. I personally think the perimeter shooting, the perimeter play in general, the perimeter shooting, the turnovers, those things are going to crash for this team. I would be very, very surprised if they don't. The question is how hard do they crash and how much can they mitigate it with some of the other things that they do well and which they should continue to do well. They should continue to rebound well on the offensive end. They should probably continue to be at least a a good two-point shooting team. I think they can continue to be a good defensive team. So can those things mitigate it, the the fall that they're going to take
0: in the perimeter skill based areas. Cause I think it's coming. Do you think they're just a lot worse because of, um, well, I mean, I guess the, the question I guess is with the loss of Shannon, was he that important for them to um, with the turnover? Pre- I mean, is he better at the ball and Hanley and stuff uh, than Ty Rogers? I think, uh, oh, cause they well, don't, I mean, they, they never have a real guard then. either. They don't have I mean, anybody. By your definition. Look, yeah. They don't have anybody who's
1: really good. Like they don't have anybody uh, among their, their primary playmakers, so to speak who's even knocking on the door of a two to one ratio. I mean, they they just don't. Yeah. Um, he does make a difference because Terrence Shannon was a guy who could make plays by himself. You know, he could okay. so from an efficiency point of view, it might not show up in assists in the assist column because you're not going to get an assist when he gets the ball, you know, twenty five feet from the basket and just decides to blow by somebody. And goes to the rim and scores, you know, that's a guy Mm -hmm. making an individual play, which he's fully capable of doing and which he does with a lot, with frequency. But I think, I think where it shows up is you have that option and he's so good and he's going to do that so often in a game that it's going to limit, it's going to limit the mistakes when you don't have that option and you got to find other ways to score. Yeah. I think it's
0: going to – am I making sense? I think it's going to good Yeah, no, I mean, up. I think it – for sure. Like, he just – and he puts pressure on the defense. You put Absolutely. more focus on him. You free other people up for, Absolutely. for what they need to do, too, right? I mean, that – Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just watched the Boo-Booey, for instance. You know, he just – you have to stop him and say that, but that means they, you have they to come have, off him. And, they don't have that. They don't have a guy
1: – they don't have one guy now who – is going to tilt the floor that everybody's got their eyes on. I mean, they could talk about the mosque and booty ball and all that stuff. I I got to see that play out over the long run to believe that that's uh, an adequate replacement for what they were doing because um, I, I don't see it with that, the way that team's constructed. I don't think that's going to be a huge bonus for them. I don't know what that they have a ton of better options, so I'm not faulting
0: them in that in that respect. I'm just kind of stating stating it as I think it is. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we you've mentioned and we mentioned before the season that they don't have a true point guard or anyone who is remotely close to one. Uh, Ty Rogers is put in that in that place, basically. Yeah. But they've they've oftentimes not had a point guard at in Illinois. Well, uh, and lots of teams function without a point guard. They just have someone who brings the ball to the half court and they just kind of get into their offense. Uh, so, you know, how does this, af- how does that specifically affect Illinois, do you think? I don't, I don't know that that's actually
1: true. I mean, they didn't have one last year, really. Uh, you know, they had, they had, uh, they had lots of problems. They had Sky Clark, who played early and was terrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that relationship, no. went out the We'd window sideways or whatever yeah then right. they had um who they have the apps kid that transferred to georgetown mm-hmm. um harris played some but they never really solved that and that was and by the way i think you can attribute a lot of their problems there they didn't shoot well and they didn't handle it well and so yeah. despite the fact that they had again a lot of size they had a player who was not as good as the version he was this year, but was still really good last year in Shannon. Um, and they had other guys who were were capable players. Um, Illinois did not have a great year last year. I mean, they were a tournament team, but they weren't. Yeah, but barely. What, like eight yeah. C, yeah, right. They weren't great. So yeah. that, now you flash back to the couple of years before that, or three years or four years before that, they absolutely had point guard play. Right. And I was thinking of other
0: teams that don't have point Sun-Mu, guards sometimes. Frazier. Yeah. They
1: yep. have those guys. So Abrams, no, yeah. it's a problem. It is a problem. Now, are there teams that are able to overcome it to one extent or another at times? Sure, there are. But it it's you're starting from a much more difficult place when you don't have anybody who can run your stuff. And they don't. You know, Ty Rogers is a point guard in name only. He brings the ball up into the forecourt. That's kind of it. I think he's third on their team in assists. You know, they run, <laughs> yeah. they they run as much stuff through their center as they do through him. You know, so it's a problem. And and I and again, I think the lack of the lack of shooting, you are going to start seeing it show up on a more consistent basis they're not in as bad a shape as they were last year because Luke Goody is playing he's healthy and he's a good shooter and they have the Harmon kid we'll talk about who transferred in who's been a very good shooter for them off the bench they didn't have that last year but man you get beyond those two guys Damask is shooting horribly Ty Rogers hasn't attempted a three the entire year you know coleman hawkins they talk about as a three-point threat he's like a 30 percent guy
0: yeah well so i guess the, the the big question then you know if you're an illinois fan I and mean, my friends listening i'm sure hi dave uh what is the problem like why can't they recruit point guards as freshmen i like i i'm i'm trying to understand because i mean clearly they have no trouble as a transfer portal at you know destination they have plenty of really great players to are bringing in but they have quite frankly,
1: um they have made mistakes in their recruiting. It is not for not trying. Brad Underwood, I don't want to paint this the wrong way. Brad Underwood is not saying defiantly, I don't need a point guard. It's that (laughs) a couple things have happened. Last year, they tried to address it in their recruiting. They had Sky Clark, who was a very highly regarded recruit. They also had Epps, who I don't think is a true point guard, but he can at least kind of look like one more than anybody else they have this year. Well, what happened? Sky Clark is a falling out uh, probably before January, I think. And mm-hmm. he doesn't return to the team. He's done. And Epps, who was playing pretty well at the end of the season, transfers to Georgetown. So they're starting over, right? Interestingly, mm-hmm. um, the interestingly The word from Illinois people, a lot of people who follow recruiting, thought they were going to get Jeremy Fierce. He's an Illinois kid. Illinois had recruited him for a while. But supposedly, when push came to shove, Illinois felt he didn't shoot well enough. And so they opted not to full court press him, and he ended up at Michigan State. Now, you never know counterfactuals being what they are. You never know what would have happened yeah, sure. he would have gone to Illinois. But I'm telling you this. If he had gone to Illinois, he would have been a starter from day one. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Because at the very least, he would run their offense. And and they don't have anybody who could do that. I mean, Jeremy Fears would be the best option they would have at the point by light years. <laughs> um. The But that decision was made two years ago because he committed as a junior in high school. So
0: that's ancient
1: history specifically to this year. The word was, they thought they were going to get Ray J Dennis who we saw with Baylor transferred from Toledo. They were all in on him in the portal. They thought they were going to get him. He ends up going to Baylor. So they miscalculated there. He was, I think he's a Chicagoland kid. Uh, He's an Illinois kid, I'm almost positive. And they thought they were going to get him, and they didn't. There was another kid, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. I believe he ended up at Rutgers, who originally committed to Illinois and then had to, um, there there was an academic issue, I think, something. And he ended up, uh, no, it was a suspension. It was a suspension uh, or an ineligibility issue. I'll get it right third time's the charm <laughs> it was an ineligibility <laughs> issue because i think it was his second transfer in two years i think that oh, okay. was the deal now that i'm zeroed in on this and i'm still drawing a blank on his name and i believe he actually ended up at Rutgers and is sitting out um but they didn't uh they didn't get him so there were two portal possibilities that they tried on and failed and so yeah. that's how they ended up here Now, look, you could, that's, these are the vagaries of recruiting, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You can't, I don't think you could say, well, Brad Underwood's a failure because he didn't close the deal on Ray J. Dennis. Sometimes it's just out of your, it's out of your hands, man. A kid decides he wants to go somewhere else in the modern environment. He gets a better NIL offer from somebody, you know, whatever it was. Um, I don't hold Brad Underwood responsible for that. But what I think if I were an Illinois fan, i would be upset about is that they didn't have adequate plan b plan c options yeah because right. this team does not need in my mind they don't need aj hogard they don't need boo booey they just need somebody who can come like i say, jeremy fears if jeremy fears was in there and he was averaging less than five points a game he would still be ideal like tom team yeah, well, but even more than Tum Tum because he's still a more. I think he's a more offensively dynamic no, player yeah. than Tum I say was. they could even
0: use a Tum Tum, but, but someone. To,
1: but yeah, oh yeah. no, Tum would be a starter, absolutely. Yeah, right, absolutely. But that—that's my point. You didn't need Ray J Dennis for this team. You, if, if you get him, great. But you didn't need that. You just needed somebody who could come in and competently run an offense and create for others and defend. And if you get a little scoring out of them, that's a bonus, but you don't really need that. That's what they needed. And to me, that's what I would be irritated by because it's, (laughs) this is the other thing. The reason I'm harping on it so much, it's the most important position in the game. We're not talking about, Oh, you're short at the four. Yeah. That could be a problem but it it's not going to sink you or it shouldn't sink your team completely but if you don't have an answer at the point you are so far behind the eight ball it's look credit to them that they are sitting in as good a position as they are without that kind of player but what it also says is man how good would you be if you had him yeah for and sure and again we're not we're not I'm not saying how good would you be if you had an all big 10 point guard I'm saying how good would you be if you had a functional
0: point guard Well, and you know what? It's important, just as important as a good point guard are good gutters for your house. If they're dysfunctional, full of leaves, not draining properly, causing problems around your foundation, you can have all sorts of problems. I can attest to that personally, as we had all sorts of problems with our house. And so now we've got those fixed because the brothers of Just Two gutters took care of all that for us. Uh, You can also have them take care of your gutters, maybe not your house, maybe your business. Uh, They can do it all. They can do large sections of gutters, small sections. They can replace them, repair them, clean them out. Whatever you need done, they can do it. They have a large selection of stuff. Great pricing. 10% off for listeners of this show who just mentioned Final Four when you get your estimate. You can contact Kurt and his team on the west side of the state the Grand Rapids area or Greg and his team in the southeast side of the state and around the Metro Detroit area. Uh, They will take care of that. And they're sponsoring the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter. We'll go through the starters here. And Rod will tell us who Michigan State needs to keep at the gutter for this game, which they did not do last game, which was Boo Booey. So hopefully they'll be a little more successful this game. I'll uh, also begin with the starters. Ty Rogers, 6'6 sophomore, we talked about him before, from Saginaw, averaging 5.6 points a game, 5.4 rebounds a game, and is, we'll call him the point guard, uh, he, at 6'6. He's only averaging, as you mentioned, third in the team in assists with only two and a half assists a game, which goes along with two turnovers per game, so about a one-to-one Average 49, 0, and 68 for shooting. And, uh, but, but he does everything else, right? So that's the, that's the reason why he's on the court. Even though he's not the dynamic point guard, he defends, he rebounds, he does all those other things. I guess he's like the ultimate glue guy, even his willingness to, to sort of run the offense nominally. I'm, I'm a Ty Rodgers fan.
1: I have been since I saw him play coming off his freshman year in AAU. Uh, I've always liked his game and he is developing into exactly the kind of player I thought he would be, which is a guy that isn't ever going to be a big scorer, but he is going to do everything else to help you win games. And he is emerging to that. He's a very good defensive player. He rebounds. He's physically tough. Um, He's just not a shooter, but to yeah. his credit, His shooting numbers from the floor are very good because he's not taking bad shots. He hasn't attempted a three this year. Now, that can be a problem for you offensively when you've got a guy who's at least nominally a guard who won't pull the trigger. But it's credit to him in the sense of he knows who he is. I also give him credit, the free throw shooting, he's knocking on the door 70%. I forget what he shot last year, but I know it wasn't that good. (laughs) <laughs> um so he's made improvement there which matters um i worried when word came out that they were going to play him at point guard i really worried like jesus they're gonna they're gonna screw this kid's career up because he's not a point guard he's just right. not and the numbers are bearing that out this year but you know he brings the ball up basically is what he does he gets it into the front court and then they actually run their offense mostly through other guys through DeMoss, through Hawkins. Um, through Shannon when he was out there, uh, but I I think he's making it work. He you know his his career to date reminds me of a little bit, and I don't think he's quite as good a player. But it reminds me a little bit about what Alan Anderson went through at Michigan State. People, interestingly enough, as a sophomore. Michigan State had a point guard problem. Marcus Taylor left. It caught them Mm -hmm. by surprise. They didn't think he was going to do that. And so Allen's sophomore year, he ended up playing a lot of point guard because he was a good passer. Uh, I think he was actually a little more of a point guard than Ty Rogers is, but I'm splitting hairs because the truth (laughs) is he really wasn't that either. Allen Anderson was a guy who did a lot of things well, but it was hard for Michigan State to find the perfect role for him. And then eventually, as a senior, they did. They landed on him. Again, Tom Izzo doesn't get credit for being ahead of the curve in a lot of ways that he should. One of them is um, the utilization of big men as floor stretchers, as shooting threats. He was way ahead of the curve on that stuff. He was also way ahead of the curve on use of the small ball or undersized four man. That was Alan Anderson. God, it's closing in on 20 years ago, if you can believe that. (laughs) Um, By the end of his career, I mean, longer ago than that for the start of it. Uh, But Alan Anderson as a senior, of course, had a huge year. He was arguably that team's best player, and he was a four man. I wonder about Ty Rogers, if it's going to be a similar path where he kind of bounces around positionally. I hope for his sake that it does work out that way. Um, cause he's, he's a guy you can win with. I, I said it from the time he was being recruited. It's a shame that familial influences prevented it because he was a guy who was born to play for Tom Ezo. he should have, he should have been a, a Spartan, um, he's uh, not that's so It's the way he goes know, yeah right yeah but um he's a good player you just you can't really think of him as a point guard no matter how Illinois
0: characterizes him moving on to uh six65 transfer from southern Illinois the Saluki, Marcus Damosk he's uh, now replaced Shannon as the first number one option offensively he's averaging eight or sorry 14.1 points a game four and a half rebounds a game shooting 45 22 and 88 and leads it to a team in assist at a little over three a game. But he does turn the ball over as well.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned it. They've kind of changed things over the last few games, and I think it'll continue, where they're trying to utilize Domask, They were already doing it some, but they're, they're doing it much more frequently now, where they, they try to get him in the post and play through him. and And this is going to be a challenge for Michigan State. Because Michigan State, I I think this is what they're going to do. My assumption would be that A.J. Hogard may guard him early because A.J. is the one guy with the kind of size to maybe deal with him. Yeah. Even though Ty Rogers and Luke Goody are much bigger players, you could probably get away with Tyson Walker and Jade Akins guarding those two guys because they're not—they're not really using their size in a way that's going to present a likely a big problem. They're, they're not. Hang on the they're not posting you up, right? So, in that sense, Michigan State may be okay, but it's—it's going to be a challenge. Um, that said, look, Damas, the three-point shooting's horrible, and that's a surprise. They thought he'd be pretty good. Um, so the fact that he's struggling as much as he is, that's an issue. If that doesn't turn around, um, you know, he's been a bit of a playmaker, but he also commits a lot of turnovers, um, good rebounder. And he's obviously, even with the three point shooting, not being great, he's been able to score and that's going to continue. He's going to remain. I think the guy they look to as the number one option. So good player doing a lot of things for them they could stand to see him do a couple of things better.
0: Yeah. I, if I recall when I was watching him play last year in the Missouri Valley, I, yeah. I don't remember him being a great shooter outside. I think we talked about that in the pregame. But I didn't oh, he, was he was better than shooter. 22%. He was better than 22, yeah. But, you know, as we've mentioned many times, you know, you move to different levels and sure, of, you know, where you, you know. Sure. How you're gonna, with the different closeout times and et cetera, et cetera, you know. Yep. Different Shot size windows are, are smaller. and Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. Uh, moving on to Luke Goody, 6'6 junior, who has just been roughed up, I feel like, his almost his entire career, but definitely last year he had a lot of trouble. Uh, he's now averaging 7.6 points a game and 4.1 rebounds a game now that he's healthy, uh, shooting 42, 41, and 64. Critical that he's healthy. Because
1: this team, one guy isn't going to turn you from a bad shooting team into a good one, but one guy, depending on the volume could turn you from a bad shooting team to a mediocre one mm-hmm. and he's kind of done that um they really needed him to be healthy he's been elevated into the starting lineup since shannon went down before that he right. was a, a key reserve but he's been playing a lot of minutes regardless this is a guy michigan state wanted they recruited him uh out of high school lost him to illinois so there's a couple guys who fit that category for illinois um and he's look he's a good player and, and brings a desperately needed element to this team with it with that three point shooting.
0: Next to be Quincy Garrier, six foot seven Oregon transfer, also played at Syracuse. Uh, he's averaging 11 and a half points a game and a team high 7.6 rebounds a game shooting 50, 32 and 67.
1: Yeah, really important addition. I mean, I, I will say and Underwood talks about it constantly. Um, that there's a huge difference in terms of the chemistry this year's team versus last year. I would say. They have chemistry? (laughs) Yeah. I would say, actually, even before that, I have felt that chemistry has, from the outside looking in, has seemed to be an issue. I've wondered, even with some of the better teams he's had, uh, how much these guys liked each other. You know, it, from the outside looking in, it, it, it appeared questionable. This team seems to be better. And so what that's meant is that the portal additions they've made fit better this year. And, and Gary was a really nice addition. You know, he's bounced around. It's his third school. MSU saw him last year with Oregon. I, I'd have to go back and look at the stats. I I, I think he played okay, but, um, He's an important addition for Illinois because he's giving, they needed a four man and he's really kind of been a jack of all trades. You know, he's not a great shooter, 32% from three, but he's a streaky guy. I've seen him go on runs this year where um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe it was against Fairleigh Dickinson, somebody I watched him play recently where he just kind of got hot for a segment and hit two or three of them in, for the corner. So he's capable of doing that, even though he's not consistent there. But he's the top rebounder on a good rebounding team. He's he's very good and very versatile defensively. You could switch with him. Um, he's given them interior scoring. I mean, he's just a really nice addition in that you plug him in. He's a, he seems to be a positive in terms of the chemistry stuff. And then he does a lot of things on the court well enough to help you win games.
0: And finally, for the starting lineup, Coleman Hawkins, 6'10", senior, averaging 10.4 points a game and 5.4 rebounds a game, shooting 51, 36, and 71. And he's a guy, I think, you know, there's even some mild entertainment that he might be the the point guard, or, you know, bring the ball over the court uh, yeah. or half court, you know, to start the season. They do. I've seen them do it at times. Um, yeah. it's It can be a good
1: way to deal with man pressure because rarely does a team want their center So if you've got a center that can actually do it, (laughs) it it can help. Um, He's shooting a little better than I thought from three, 36%. But over his career, he's been a guy who was more of a tease. Like, you watch him and he looks like a guy. His shot looks good. He looks like a guy who should be effective as a stretch player. He's never really done it consistently. 36% is pretty good, though, for him. But I... I think he's their Malik Hall. And that doesn't track 100%, but this is what I mean. Coleman Hawkins is a guy who does enough at times that you look at him and think, well, that's a guy who could be all Big Ten. But then you look at the totality of the season and you see that he he doesn't bring it consistently. There are games when he's a star and there are games where he fades away. Michigan State fans, especially coming off the Northwestern game after back-to-back great performances by Malik Hall know exactly what I'm talking about. And I I think Coleman Hawkins is a rough corollary to that. If I were an Illinois fan, I would probably be a little frustrated with him because I would think, you know, this guy does have it in him to be a star, but he doesn't play that way all the time. And it's hard sometimes to understand why. Um, he's a good player, just as I would say about Malik Hall. He's not proven to be a great player. The The danger when you're facing them is, though, in any one game, he could be dominant. So yeah. you have to hope that the the die roll cuts your way on that.
0: So move on to the bench, and we'll start with Justin Harmon, 6'4", senior transfer from Utah Valley. And as you mentioned before, he's been a pleasant surprise for the Illini. He's averaging 6.3 points a game on 46, 45, and 83 shooting. Well, I don't know if I would
1: entirely say surprise. I I think they brought him in expecting that he would be in the rotation, he would help. I think the three-point shooting, he was not this good at Utah Valley. I think he was more of a mid-30s guy, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. But um, even if he wasn't, even if I've got that a little wrong, the fact that he's shooting as well as he is at the Big Ten level is a bit of a surprise. His importance is just going to increase, though, now, because without Shannon, he's the one guy who really is going to factor in off their bench consistently. He's going to play big minutes. They're going to ask him to help provide that three-point shooting that they don't get from many other spots, and um, and that's going to matter.
0: Next would be Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, a 6'1 freshman. Uh, he's going to be playing a little bit more, of course, just because of the loss of Shannon. He's averaging three and a half points a game in about 10 minutes, shooting 39, 24, and 60.
1: Yeah, I, you know, he was originally committed to Purdue, then he decommitted, ended up at Illinois. He's really the only guy in this playing group who even looks remotely like a guard, but at 6'1, I, I don't, Actually, think he's a point guard. I think he's a little more of an undersized two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing out of necessity because they need somebody to to give them some backup minutes. But I think it's, I think he's kind of akin to, say Xavier Booker. Totally different size, position, et cetera. But they're similar in this way that I don't think either one was when push comes to shove was truly ready yeah for the college level yeah. and i think that's the case look if lawhorn gibbs were ready or gibbs lawhorn sorry if gibbs lawhorn were ready um
0: he'd be playing 20 25 minutes a night uh moving on then to dane danger surprising 6-9 uh player he was had a significant role last season's team but much less this year he's only playing 11 and a half minutes a game and uh even against purdue i've uh, only played six minutes yeah He's averaging seven points a game and four point one rebounds a game, shooting seventy one percent from the floor, but <laughs> surprisingly thirty percent from the line. Um, he was really bad at the line last year too.
1: Uh, this is an interesting one to me be, because he played way more last year, and he was good. I thought he was really good. Well, it gets me say who, he was anyway. You know who he is? He's he's a lesser Nick Ward. Okay. Yeah. He is very reminiscent to me of Nick Ward. It's all the same strengths, similar body types, all the same weaknesses. And I think what's happened is Illinois, with this team at least, Brad Underwood has decided, I can't live with the defensive issues. Yeah. Because danger really struggles. Like. He can actually, again, like Nick Ward, if you remember, Nick Ward one-on-one in the post was okay defensively, maybe even a little better than okay. But mm-hmm. in the modern game, that's not the totality of it by a long shot. You've got to be able to handle pick and roll. You've got to be able to at least hang in there when you're you know, 18, 20 feet from the basket. And that's where Nick Ward really struggled. That's where Danger really struggles. Danger also is not great at moving the ball out of the post because he demands doubles. I mean, most teams are going to double him when he gets the ball in the blocks because he's got good footwork and he's huge. But Mm -hmm. he doesn't, like, you remember Nick Ward struggling with that where he couldn't really find guys easily out of doubles and make teams pay for doing that. Danger kind of struggles there. So Danger really, for his... As good as he looked and as productive as he was at times last year, you could see the problem. He was basically a two-trick pony. He could score on the blocks and he could rebound. But everything else was an issue. So you have to decide, can you live with that? Some teams can, you know, Hunter Dickinson has not all those same problems. He's actually a really good passer. But teams who have had him obviously have said, look, we're going to live with the fact that we've got a Shaq ball screen stuff and we're going to give up some stuff in the mid-range or from three because of it. But we're going to live with it. The, The difference there is Hunter Dickinson puts up a lot of points and a lot of rebounds. And he, as I said, he moves the ball well when the time comes for him to do that. Danger isn't able to do that, and so... As a consequence, I think that's why Illinois has moved away from him. But I, I would say this. He's already transferred once. He transferred to Illinois from Baylor. But if I were able to, and I don't know anything about it other than just looking at the playing time, what he, yeah. what he did last year, what's happening this year, yeah, that's what I'd keep my eye on. Sure. Because he can't. I can't believe that kid's happy. And I'm not faulting Brad Underwood, by the way. I get it. I think he's probably right on balance to be doing what he's doing. But I just, I figure Dane Danger has got to look at it and figure if I'm somewhere that will play me 25 minutes a night, I'm putting up minimum 15, 10. And he's probably right. But he's got to find a place that's willing to play him. And and there
0: would be. He would find places that would play him. It's sure. just not Illinois right now. Might be one right down the road, in fact, here. Uh, and finally, to round out the, the the bench is Amani Hansberry, 6'8", 225-pound freshman. Uh, he is averaging 2.6 points a game and 2.9 rebounds a game in 10 minutes when he plays, shooting 44, 33, and 67. But the po- point there is he doesn't play all the games. He's played most.
1: He didn't play against Purdue, um, so that's a sign. Uh, But they think he's going to be a good player in the long run. And when he's played, he's been reasonably effective. You know, they think he's going to be a very well-rounded post player, probably more of a four than a five, but I guess we'll see how their roster evolves. Um, But uh, they like him. It's just, I I think there's a possibility he plays in this game. Uh, But we don't know. It's it's kind of on the borderline.
0: All right, next we'll move on to, which is going to be very key to this game, is, rebounding and our segment brought to you by the squeegee squad of grand rapids where we have to pick the player that we think michigan state would do best cleaning the glass which as we'll mention in the keys of the game is very important and we've already mentioned alluded to a number of times since illinois's elite rebounding team uh, as you recall i'm up to nothing and i get to pick first this time so i'm going to pick Mati sissoko uh, I think this is a game where he's, he's. I think I think he's gonna he's gonna be, I think really important for uh, Michigan State. He's got to come back get I back agree. to his ten rebound sort of game that he had a couple games ago. I think he needs he needs to be strong in there because this team needs to close things out. I'll go with Malik Hall. I find it hard to imagine coming off an offer.
1: I've got to believe that Tom Ezzo is challenging the very essence of who malik hall is as a basketball player maybe as yeah. we
0: speak i um, wouldn't be surprised and so i'm going to go with malik hall and again that's brought to you by the squeegee squad of grand rapids you can get 15 off your estimate if you uh, contact them you can find the contact information below in the podcast player or you can go head on over to our website and that might be the easiest way just to find a link to get your free estimate the squeegee squad can take care of all sorts of things. They can do your house. They can do high rises. They can do commercial. They clean everything. Uh, they do a fantastic job. It's all locally run and owned. Uh, it's a great franchise. They can come out in any sort of weather. They're going to get on the ladder so you don't have to. They clean the inside and the outside of windows. Whatever you want done. They'll come and give you an estimate for whatever. They can also power wash your house. And they'll do a nice uh, power washing with surfactant, with soaps. And so they don't use the high pressure from at the ground level, but they'll get right up in the house make sure that you do a nice job without peeling away all the paint. So again, check out the squeegee squad. It brings you the, let I me mean, say clean the who cleans the glass best. And uh, I don't know. We'll see if I get three in a row here. I don't know. You're going to, you're gonna have a tough time. catching me this season here, Rod. Well, this,
1: this is <laughs> look,
0: we have this, you know, you get to pick
1: first sometimes. And I, and I, what did I lose? But you had Cooper yesterday. He outrebound. I had Cooper. I he went
0: it. six to five. Oh, for the <laughs> God. You know, well, oh. yeah yeah, well, we'll, ha- we'll have to, <laughs> all right, move on finally to uh, the five keys of the game for Michigan state brought to you by Nudge Printing. And this is the last reminder that they we're having our trivia contest to win a free t-shirt for Nudge Printing and that you can get any t-shirt they have in their selection is a great prize. There's nothing, uh, there's no cost to entering. You just have to go head on over to uh, NudgePrinting.com slash TFFINOTS. And that's our own page and his, uh, on Gabe's website. Uh, can, not only can you find our show, uh, but you can also uh, enter in for free the trivia question. And the trivia question is, which is the last Michigan State basketball player to go in the top 10 of the NBA draft? Now, there's a thing called Google. So if you don't know the answer, you can always look it up ahead of time. There's no one looking over your shoulder if you're going to try and cheat. Uh No one will know. So go head on over. You can enter for free with an uh, put yourself in the drawing with an opportunity to win a free T-shirt from Nudge Printing. You know, I want (laughs) to before we go into the five keys. I
1: what you just said it prompted a a memory of mine from my childhood. Um, I had a local radio station, and by local, I mean it was in my hometown, so it wasn't even um, like a major or tertiary market. It was a small radio station. (laughs) It's as small as it gets. But they, there was a period when I was probably about 10 years old where they were doing trivia questions, baseball trivia questions, and the winners would win tickets to a Tiger game. So it was, oh, you know, they would win two tickets. Man. I had a baseball encyclopedia. And so <laughs> they would ask these questions, and I would call up, and I won three days in a row. And then on the fourth day... I I got it right again, and it was fast. And they said, "Listen, you can't win every day." <laughs> so I was banned from the contest from You're... that on. So it just made when you talked about googling, it just made me think about that story.
0: You were de- you were destined to be a lawyer to be able to look up I, information very I quickly in a book. Quickly. I guess yeah, that was maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> Was is it easy? I've never looked at the baseball reference books. I mean, I guess they, the baseball I they encyclopedia
1: was a is it pretty massive, easy to find information? N- n- no, you because it, it was massive. Baseball encyclopedia was a huge book. I mean, yeah, right. way bigger than the Bible. Let's say this thing was big, <laughs> and it was very thorough. I mean, it covered everything. So if you wanted to see you know, who won the federal league pennant in 1914 or who was the third leading hitter that year of that league, you could find it, you know, it had every, every, um, every league that was considered a quote unquote major league. So it was a very big book. And yeah, these were you know They were asking questions that weren't, you know, who led the American league in hitting last year, you know, they would go deeper than that. So yeah, you had to be able to work your way around it, but you know, this is the thing people of our vintage. And I imagine at least a good percentage of our listenership know how it used to be. Um, you remember using card catalogs? Yeah. (laughs) In a library, the Dewey decimal (laughs) system, um, for, for lawyers, you know, physical shepherdizing of cases, which means making sure that you're using a system to make sure that you were, um, uh, you were citing the most recent precedent on a particular point of law. Um, you know, all those kinds of things we were used to doing because that was all that was available. And now, as you say, it's oh Google. Yep. You know, it's one-stop shopping very easy, but
0: yeah it was it was a little more challenging all right well i guess you know again you can do whatever you want to to enter <laughs> to find the answer to the, to the quiz again head on over to yeah, nudge is not going to disqualify you yeah there's they're not checking there's no proctor for this exam <laughs> <laughs> <They're>, well <laughs> right i mean i'm not going to tell you the answer but right. you know yeah that's as a Michigan State player recently of recent vintage uh that's as far as i'll tell you um So again, Underpenny has great selection, great shirts, very breathable, very wearable, and they can take a ton of wash, as my family can attest. We are their most popular T-shirts. All right, so five keys of the game. Number one, no surprise here. Rebounding, Illinois elite offensive rebounding team. Michigan State has been less (laughs) less impressive on the defensive end. So they've got, I mean, they've shown that they've been able to to do it against like Baylor, but you know, against Northwestern, they were terrible in the first half. Yeah, then they shut them out in the second half. But it's maddening yeah. that they didn't,
1: you know, they let the first half happen because it wasn't just <laughs> right. giving up offensive rebounds; it was giving up court backs, second chance points. They yes. were really made to pay for that. Um, and you know, look, when you're facing good offensive opponents, and you actually your defense is good enough to generate a miss, you gotta end the possession there. If Michigan State does not dial in and up the intensity and the focus and the effort and the toughness on the defensive glass, that area alone could result in them getting run off the court. Illinois is that good in this component of the game. Michigan State has got to bring its A game. Yeah, They did that against Baylor. So we've seen this team do that. But it's going to take that kind of effort. It can't be what it's been these last several games. It's the it's the one thing over this recent streak of, of Michigan State playing well and kind of getting its season back on track. It's the one area where I did not feel the screws were sufficiently tightened and we've been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And although I don't think it was the decisive factor in the Northwestern loss by any means, I think it was a factor definitely in the phase of the game where Northwestern really won it where they yes. pushed that lead out. And so yep. it did matter. Um even though the final numbers weren't horrific, it was still important. Illinois has the capacity to make you pay majorly if you are not focused here. So it's and and here's the thing If you look at the rebounding numbers for Illinois, this is truly a team effort. Gary Ayers is the leading rebounder at 7.6. But after him, you've got a lot of guys at 4-point-something, 5-point-something, even among their guards. So Jaden Akins, A.J. Hogarth, Tyson Walker, those guys have got to be part of this it's not just a matter of well Mahdi has to do his job and Malik has to do his job and that should take care of it uh-uh they get it from everywhere so that means everybody from Michigan State has got to be involved and you know sometimes it's a size thing and sometimes it's not there was a play yesterday I don't think we talked about in the Northwestern Post game it was really a luster of this and it was in the second half um I believe, but there was a play where a shot went up Michigan State, and Cohen Carr was in decent rebounding position, but Boo Booey put his backside into (laughs) it, used his body, and Boo Booey, I don't think, got the defensive rebound. Maybe he did. No, But even if he he didn't, it kept Ray, it kept Carr away, because Carr, most of the time, the way he was set up, he gets that offensive rebound, and he dunks it. That's what would yeah. have happened. But a six-one guy used his body and his understanding of what you have to do, finding a body and checking out to do that, prevent Cohen from getting the rebound, and somebody else, Northwestern, grabbed it. That's what Michigan State, that's the kind of effort and execution we need to see from Michigan State's guards.
0: And that's what we saw in the Baylor game as well. Absolutely. I mean, we, you, there was, yep. Team effort. Yeah. Second key to the game keep them on the perimeter this seems opposite of lots of these games <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm trying it to, is guarding the arc but here it's uh illinois does a lot of damage inside uh so you want to try and make them more perimeter based perimeter based team uh than they've been so far this season
1: yeah and and look this is easier said than done because illinois is going to to be what they've been and that's a team that but they're going to try to be what they've been, which is a team that does most of its damage inside the arc. I think if you can, your best bet is to try to turn them into a jump shooting team. And again, I'm not saying that's going to be easy to accomplish, but Michigan state's actually been a very good defensive team against twos this year in the same ballpark as, as Illinois, honestly. Um, So if they could do that, if they can and, and that means you don't um, that, that your help principles are in place, you're squaring guys up, you're not letting penetration happen easily. When Illinois does try to go into post-ups, you're solid defending those. You're you're not getting exploited, you know, meaning you're not having guys over helping or having to help and exposing you for easy baskets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we've talked about, they're going to try to play through Domask a lot. So whoever's guarding him, and, you know, again, I think that that probably I would guess to start with will be AJ. I would imagine others. I could see Cohen Carr taking turns. I could even see maybe Malik Call. This, this seems to me to be a game that there might be some cross matchups at times where it's not necessarily a point guard on point guard, wing on wing. You know, I could see some some differences there in terms of how Michigan State opts to defend them. But whoever's on him got to do a solid job. You don't want to let him, you know, again, the guys shooting 22% from three. So you don't want to let him just be feasting in the lane. Yeah. You right. want to prevent him from doing a lot of damage there
0: and force this team to prove, that they can hit enough threes to be competitive, and hopefully, the thing that drives me crazy is you have a guy like Demaske or maybe Rogers that you know pump fakes from behind the three point line, gets yep. up in the air, and then drives past you. You got to be yep. <laughs> smart in who you're who you're trying Stay to you down. Know, yep. defend against. Yeah, absolutely. A third key to the game is transition. So you know, again, this requires a defensive rebound. But if Michigan State gets it, they definitely showed a willingness to do to speed up Northwestern. That was actually a pretty fastly fast run game. Um, it just didn't turn out the right way they wanted. It was,
1: and especially in the in the first, like, say, 12 minutes of the game, I thought Michigan State did very well in pushing the ball. You know, Every Big Ten opponent, top of their list in their scouting report is get back defensively. It's yeah, always right. a point of emphasis. But at times, Michigan State's still able to get it done. They're up to they, – they had a number, they had a stat on <clears> – <throat> On uh, the broadcast, I forget exactly where they are in fast break points, but it's a healthy position, which was a little bit surprising to me because if you remember early on this season, we were talking about it like we thought this team was going to live in transition, and they are playing so slowly. Yeah. Now, that started to turn in the Baylor game, and it turned for a number of reasons, not just one thing. But I do think the most important thing is mentality. And I was glad to see, and I've been glad to see in recent games, that even with Jeremy Fierce, who I thought was the best they had at pushing tempo, even with Agreed. him out of the lineup, they've continued to do it. A.J. has gotten better. Yep. Um, Tyson has gotten a little better because he doesn't always look to push. Uh, so that's, that's encouraging. Illinois is a good defensive team. So anytime you can get easy baskets where you're not facing five-on-five half-court defense, that's a
0: positive. The fourth key to the game, getting into them. So this is to bring the uh, bring the game in and be physical against Illinois, which is a big team. But I feel like a lot of times, Michigan State, especially on the road, it's hard, I think, to bring that sort of intensity. You want to really kind of I guess push Illinois around if you can, or at least because if if you're going to try and rebound well, you're going to have to get into them. I'm, I'm talking,
1: that's all true. They need to bring a physicality and an energy to this, but I'm talking specifically about getting into their guards. Now, it is going to admittedly be difficult to square this with what I talked about just a couple minutes ago, which was you <laughs> want to turn them into a jump shooting team, right? Because normally yeah. the way you do that is you say, okay, we're going to pack it in. We're going to make it very difficult for you to get anything done in the lane. But, you know, if you want to take jumpers, you're probably going to be able to get semi-open looks at least, you know, and we'll live with it. It's hard to square that with, oh, and we also want to be getting into your guard's <laughs> forcing yeah. turnovers or at least making it difficult on them I I don't know how easy it will be to walk that line but I think Michigan State needs to do it because these are the two weaknesses of that team it would be one thing if they were a team with weak ball handling but they were also a team that tended to shoot a lot of threes because then you could just say hey just press up we play a higher line We get into these guys, and we're taking away the three. We're also trying to disrupt them uh, in terms of their their passing, their ball handling. But I, I raise it because Illinois is suspect in this area. Now, they're not as bad as I thought they'd be. I thought they might have a turnover percentage this year that would be disastrous because of the lack of a point guard. You know, what has helped them, and what I have to give them credit for, is that they do have other guys who are at least competent passers. Mm-hmm. So Coleman Hawkins, you know, Tom Sack, uh, even Ty Rogers, They're not. They're not Magic Johnson, but <laughs> they're on the plus <laughs> side of the assist turnover dichotomy. You know. Yeah. Um. So that that has helped mitigate it a little bit, but they're still sitting. I don't know 150 something 160 something in turnover percentage. So it's not they're not good. And I, and I sometimes in games I've watched I've felt that other opponents have let them off the hook a little bit. They haven't got tried to get into them enough. So maybe maybe the answer and I don't know this, but maybe the answer is this might be a game where maybe we see Michigan State apply a little more full court pressure than we've been typically seeing we haven't seen a ton of it we haven't seen as much as we thought we might um this might be a game where hey get into ty rogers when he's bringing the ball up you know make him work even if you're not generating a turnover you're taking time off the shot clock and you're taking a toll on him hopefully physically and mentally by having to do that um i'm not advocating trapping or any of that nonsense and they won't do that anyway but but just guarding a little harder, I think, could pay some dividends. Uh, we'll see how MSU opts to balance those competing interests. But, the, but again, if you do it too aggressively, the danger is you might be giving their guards opportunities to get the ball into the lane, to the rib, and that's where I think they can hurt you. Right, yeah. One, because they can finish. Two, because as we saw last night, if they do that and it's forcing help, you're prone to be giving up second chances against a team that's really good at, at generating those.
0: Exactly. Yeah. All right. So finally, the fifth key to the game, Road Warriors, Michigan State in true road games is 0-2 this season. Um, so they've got to they gotta figure it out. They got to figure out how to um, get it done in a hostile environment. Yeah. and
1: the, And here's the weird thing. They're 0-2 in true road games. Both have been conference games at Nebraska and then at Northwestern. Um, What's weird about it is normally when you have problems on the road, it's because you struggle offensively, right? But that has not really been the case. You know, last night you can, 13 turnovers was not great, but it wasn't a disaster. And Michigan State shot the ball really well, and they were okay in terms of their offensive rebounding. There weren't a lot of huge problems with Michigan State's offensive game yesterday. It was the defensive end more than anything else, and that was definitely the case against Nebraska. If you remember, that was the game where three-point shooting actually started to turn for mm-hmm. MSU. It was in that game they shot very well and they shot well overall, but they couldn't guard Nebraska just shredded them tons of back cuts and it, it was just a lot of not good. So for Michigan State, I think the key in this game and in games going forward on the road is and it's, again it's backward from the way it usually is. they've got to find a way to get their defensive intensity and defensive execution to travel because off, at home or neutral floors, it's been great really really good yeah on the road these two road games have been the worst defensive games i think they've played in the
0: over the course of the season yeah defense is supposed to travel and yet it is. It it isn't is, gotten I'm on the saying. bus
1: yet it's completely backward <laughs> normally you're concerned about uh are we missing shots because it's not a familiar environment does the opposing crowd get to us and we're turning the ball over a bunch you know those are the things you worry about it's not usually, well, can we guard if you're a good defensive team to begin with? And Michigan State is. So that's got to start traveling. I, I would also say this in regard to the road. Those of us who are of a certain age, I think conceive of, of, of that building, what used to be Assembly Hall, and I think now it's State Farm Center, some such nonsense. Um, but that building, you think of it, as one of the most difficult gyms in the league to win in. And that's because historically it has been Michigan state is 21 and 41 lifetime at Illinois. They actually, Michigan state has a slight advantage in the overall series because they've also dominated at home uh, a little more than Illinois has, but 21 and 41 on the road over the last 10. And granted, there's been a lot of variance and how good Illinois has been over that time period, which I think 10 games span 12 years because you're not necessarily playing there every year. Um, Michigan State's 4-6. and six. So they've won there. Let's put it this way. I, For a variety of reasons, I no longer think of that building. If you had asked me this 20 years ago, I would have put Illinois right there, with Mackey arena and probably I wouldn't have said it 20 years ago, but soon after that I would have Cole center yeah. as the three toughest places for Michigan state to get a win. Cause it just, for most of my life, it had seemed to be that way. You know and It was a lot like Mackey. It was always the way it was lit. You could barely see the crowd was dark was in the dark mostly and then you know you just have the, the lighting on the floor and their their student sections were always really good and they still are and it's still a very tough place to win in don't get me wrong it, it is but four, four and six is not one and nine or oh and ten it's not Mackey yeah. arena you know <laughs> right so there. right i say this not to say oh this is easy not at all, but <laughs> I think, I think you can, if you're Michigan State, you can come into this game feeling like, hey, we can win. We can win this game. We can win here. And and look, if we go back to last year's game, Michigan State was right there until Malik Hall got hurt. And then yeah. they didn't have a, a good physical matchup for Matthew and He kind of took the game over and won it for them. But Michigan State was right there. Um, and Illinois, if I remember correctly, at the time that game came, Illinois was playing very well, kind of like they are right now.
0: Yeah. Then they kind of went down the teams yeah. after, soon yeah. after that, we're just like, yep. oh, we just caught them at the wrong time. Sort yep. Of, um, yeah. Which and is, I, you know, part of the, how this is. goes too. Like, like when you catch people. Jim, Jim sometime.
1: Leland, great line about that stuff, the ex-Tigers manager, um, it's not always who you play, but when you play them. Yep. And that's true. Um. I do think, as I said, I think Illinois is due to start having some issues in certain areas of the game. How much, how bad that is, how much they can mitigate it with their strengths, that remains to be seen. I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. I still think they're a tournament team, but I do not expect them to be, you know, you can make an argument that they're the second best team in the conference right now, give or take Wisconsin. Um I don't think we're going to be talking about them that way when it's all said and done, assuming that Terrence Shannon is out. Um, But when that kicks in, and does it kick in enough to matter on Thursday, well, that remains to be seen. But I'm just raising this to say, you know, Michigan State should go into this game feeling like they can get a win. I absolutely think that. I don't look at this as Mackey Arena, where I'd say, hey, five percent shot maybe you know (laughs) no not at all yeah Michigan State's got to play well they got to really compete really play with physicality and focus both of those elements together but if they do those things and we've seen this team do them multiple times they absolutely can win this game And and I'm kind of expecting I would say this too one more thought if I were Illinois, I wouldn't be really happy about what I saw last night in Evanston because the odds are good that Tom Izzo is going to have these guys playing with a lot of intensity to start with. You would expect that. You'd be surprised if you don't get that. And, you know, that's not ideal. I, If I were Illinois, I would rather Michigan State and figured out a way to win that game last night, and maybe be coming in a little to use an isoism fat and sassy. <laughs> fat sassy, you know. Yeah that, that 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 would be a better dynamic in in the abstract. You know, we'll see what how it all actually plays out. It might not mean anything, but if if I'm trying to hedge my bets, that's how I would look at it. Is well, I would I would rather not. They be coming off. A game where they kind of got punked a little bit physically, and and knowing what Michigan State's how Michigan State's coach views that stuff and what he's likely to do to them over the next couple of days in preparation for the Illinois game,
0: yeah. It's sort of like you know, just like Northwestern had to drop by thirty, 30 points. Uh, Absolutely, to Illinois uh, the day before. Like, you knew they'd and, respond to that. Well, it's it. one of two, right? Like either they go into a swan song, you know, swan and fade away, or they respond and positively, which is what they but did. You, so that's right.
1: But if you if you look at the certainty, te- like you know, the Michigan program right now, you would expect yeah, the swan dive, right? Yes. But with good coaches, veteran teams have had some success northwestern fits that category this year it was not surprising i didn't expect that they would play poorly i just no. my thought was well they're an inconsistent team you can never know for sure what you're going to get um but they're likely to play much better than they did in champagne and i certainly didn't think it was going to be a cakewalk by any means and it wasn't the same thing applies to michigan state if i'm brad underwood what I'm telling my guys is, look, that team you see on tape against Northwestern, that's not going to be who you're playing. They are going to be different. They're going to be much more physical and be much more aggressive. They're going to try and take it to you and you're going to have to respond.
0: All right. Well, I think we're we'll wrapping up there. We've gone a little long. I just want to remind you again to check out our sponsor, the, the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids the brothers suggest just gutters, and Nudge Printing. And again, reminder that you can go to nudgeprinting.com slash T-F-F-I-N-O-T-S and answer that trivia question to get enter in for drawing for a free t-shirt. Oh, before we <laughs> go, Rod, I know people have been waiting. They've been sitting at the edge of their seat. Who is this player? Michigan City's keeping the gutter. We totally forgot to to pick that player.
1: Yeah, it's um, Marcus Domask for Illinois, I think. He's their leading scorer currently with Shannon out of the lineup. He's also a guy there. Running a lot of their offense through, so I think
0: he's the fairly obvious choice at this point. So can Michigan say keep the booty ball out of the gutter? We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Down in the gutter. (laughs) All right. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go Green.